Third John is the briefest? It is. In my Bible, it looks longer than second John. Is it? It might be briefest, but number of words. Yeah, I think probably that's the way it is. At least that's what I wrote down in my notes. Not every line, you know, goes to the end. Right. No. So, may that as it may, it starts with the elder to the beloved Gaius, whom I love in truth. Now, you know, Second, Third John, I don't know that there was a studied attempt on John's part to make these uh, books complementary, but they really are. Second John is going to warn, that we studied, warns against showing hospitality to false teachers. And third John warns against refusing hospitality to the people who teach the truth. So they really do have corresponding messages. Whether John really intended that to be that way or not, I don't know. If he's writing to his beloved Gaius, there are several Gaiuses, Gai, I don't know, in the Bible. Uh, so we don't know if it's one of those or another. And we don't know anything about him, per se, that's going to be able to identify which he could have been. Uh, but John loved him in truth. And, um, you know, John, of course, is kind of the apostle of love. How many times did love, beloved, and things like that occur in First John? A lot of times in the Gospel of John as well. Uh, so John really cares about Gaius, but he loves him in truth. Um, the basis of our bond of love is our commitment to truth. You know, we do not increase the love we have for each other by diminishing truth. But as we come closer to the truth and are more committed to that, then it gives us a stronger tie to others who who walk in the truth as well. Um, so, in these, uh, uh, you know, first, uh, first verse, you've got, uh, the beloved Gaius, in whom I love in truth. So you can see almost immediately the emphasis on love. And then the next word is going to be beloved. So three out of the first 11 words are uh, words relating to love. All right, uh, comments or questions on verse 1? Two to four. Beloved, I pray that in all respects you may prosper and be in good health, just as your soul prospers. For I was very glad when brethren came and testified to your truth, that is, how you are walking in truth. I have no greater joy than this, to hear of my children walking in the truth. So, um, he reports on his prayer for Gaius. Who does that remind you of? Paul, who reports on his prayers for the brethren in almost every letter he writes. Well, what was it that John had been praying for Gaius? You prosper and be in good health. Yes, uh, which is appropriate, though that's not our first focus. It's not wrong to pray for other people to do well economically and uh, physically. Um, how much did he want him to uh, prosper and be in good health? Just as your soul prospers. Yeah, to the same extent that his soul was prospering. Uh, really, God can only prosper us as long as our soul is prospering without damaging us most of the time. If he gives prosperity to somebody whose soul isn't doing well, it kind of lulls them to sleep instead of wakes them up and makes them realize what they need. So you wouldn't want God to prosper somebody beyond how well his soul was doing. 
But but that's kind of the measure, and 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 that implies that he thinks highly of how well he's doing the Lord. You know, uh, someone uh, someone wrote about a doctor who would you know put Third John two you know whenever he was signing something, and uh, but actually you know. Uh, for some people, that might mean uh, that they would need his professional attention. You know, some people, if they prospered and were in the health that their soul was, would uh, you know be be needing to uh, consult a uh, you know a funeral director soon. Uh, but but he thinks highly of him. He knows he's doing well in the Lord. He'd, he'd like for his prosperity and health to accompany uh, him in that. Uh, certainly, the priority is your soul. But, but John is concerned about his um, material well-being as well. And um, how does he know Gaius is doing so well? The brethren came and testified. About? To his truth and how he is walking in truth. Yeah. There were some brethren who, who told John how well he was doing. What, and how well he's doing means he's walking in truth. <laughs> You know, that's the measure of doing well. To John, truth is what matters. You know, doing, uh, believing and practicing the truth is not just a kind of a optional thing for John. That is essential. We have to be in the truth. The early church lived in a world which was probably even more diverse than ours. And yet, John insists on the truth. And certainly we need to. There's a lot of beliefs and teachings and philosophies and doctrines, and we're seeking the truth and seeking to walk in the truth. Um, how did it make John feel when he heard about people like Gaius walking in truth? Happy. What? Happy. Happy. How happy? No greater joy. Nothing else means more to John than the spiritual progress of the brethren. To see the people he's brought to Christ growing is the thing that brings the greatest joy possible to him. Isn't that interesting? You know, um, what brings you the most joy? Yeah. That's That's a hard thing, isn't it? It might be something that's not very substantial. <laughs> or it's very selfish. You know, because it's typical for us to be, you know, joyful about the things that are really things that we like and we want. It speaks so well of John that the thing that makes him the happiest is when he sees these brethren doing well uh, in, the, in the truth. Um, all three of John's letters mention joy in the very beginning of them. And First uh, John 1, 4, these things we write so that our joy may be made complete. And in Second uh, John, uh, he was very glad to find some of his children walking in the truth. So, so the idea of gladness or joy is uh, in all three of these letters. And here, the greatest joy is children walking in the truth. Comments and questions? Just as there was a theme of love, 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 there's also a theme of truth, 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 truth. You're exactly right. Yeah. Okay. Five to eight. 
We love you are acting faithfully in whatever you accomplish for the brethren, and especially when they are strangers, and they have testified to your love before the church. You will do well to send them on their way in a manner worthy of God. For they went out for the sake of the name, accepting nothing from the Gentiles. Therefore we ought to support such men so that we may be fellow workers with the truth. Okay. He is commending uh, Gaius when he does what? He acts faithfully. In what way? In taking care of the brethren. What brethren? The ones who went out. Went out for what? For the sake of the name. name. (laughs) So what what are we talking about, these brethren that went out for the sake of the name? (laughs) Well, they're Christians. Yeah. Apparently went out, like, to teach or preach. Yes. I think you're dealing with people who've gone out to find more people to teach, you know, and and, uh, spread the gospel to. And uh, so, what was John doing to act faithfully toward these brethren? Supporting them in some way. Yeah, I think so. I think perhaps giving them a place to stay, providing them with the things they need to continue on their journey, and that sort of thing. Um, And he's especially commending Gaius for um, helping who? Those he didn't know. The ones he didn't know. Now, I don't know. What do you think about that? How are you going to feel about that? Maybe, Maybe having them into your home? Or helping them out financially? You know, would you help somebody you didn't know personally? Would you let them stay in your home? Obviously the Winsons have done that a few times, I would think. <laughs> little word of mouth kind of thing goes a long way sometimes. Yeah. I mean, you know, I think that speaks well of Gaius. You know, Christians love each other before they know each other. You know, if you stop and think about it, you've got that bond. And, uh, you know, think about how it was in the first century. Can you imagine the doorbell ringing late one evening and there stands a stranger with a, a note from a brother uh, saying uh, you need to take him in? Mm-hmm. You know? I mean, in that atmosphere, whoa. It could be the uh, KGB uh, Jewish style or something. Mm-hmm. So that that's, uh, you know, took some risk. You know, and our society is increasingly full of fearful and suspicious people. You know, I think we get to the point where, you know, I've got to, I need to, you know, see uh, notarized statements from, you know, reputable brethren and, you know, three months bank statements and, you know, whatever, you know, before we'll even hardly uh, speak to somebody. But here, here's these people who've gone out to preach. And, and Gaius is taking them in, and John is really happy about that. Uh, he says, you do well to send them on their way in a matter worthy of God. Now, sending them on their way may mean another step. Not only maybe taking them in and providing for their needs at the moment, but sending them on their way was kind of a, a technical term to, re, to, to say provide them what they need for their trip. Which might be, you know, money... Uh, 
a map, <laughs> you know, supplies. A bag of bread to take to Alabama. Yeah, a bag of bread to take to, uh, you know, Asia or wherever they were going. And uh, so, you know, provide for them well, you know, in a manner uh, worthy uh, of the Lord. Um, so, I mean, we really ought to take care of our own that have gone out and to, to preach and teach. Um, you know, don't treat these evangelists like beggars, uh, but, you know, give them something worthy to the Lord. Um, why is it so important that these men be supported financially? What are they doing? Spreading the word. And what else? For accepting nothing from the Gentiles. Absolutely. Who are they going to be supported by? You know, they've gone out, so they're not, they don't have a means of supporting themselves. Do you expect the non-Christians to provide for their needs? You know, that's not going to work very well. You know, uh, they're wholly dependent on God's people for their support. You know, if, if believers don't support them, who would? You know, uh, so help them. And, and apparently Gaius has been, and Gaius is, and John is very pleased about that. When you help somebody and support somebody who's preaching the truth, what does that do for you? It says you're a fellow worker with you. Absolutely. Why would that be so? You're part of what's making it happen. Exactly. You are contributing to their ability to do that work. You're a part of it. Now, do you remember what he said in 2 John? <clears throat> to not do? Because you were helping them. If, if you let them in, like if you had them in your home, then you were like supporting them in what they did. That's exactly right. The one who gives them a greeting uh, participates in his evil deeds. You know, so you if you help somebody out in getting the message spread by them, you're a sharer in the message they spread, for good or for bad. So you want to be sure you help the right people out, not the wrong people. The people who are really, you know, going out for the name. Uh, you wouldn't want to help uh, somebody who's fraudulent. Alright, so thoughts and comments to verse 8. Now, if they're strangers, how are you supposed to determine if they're working for the right work or if they're working for the wrong work? Good question. How would you know? We've already mentioned one concept, that of letters from reliable brethren that you know. That, so it's There certainly are times in the Bible that it looks like Paul is providing a letter or, you know, is referring to that. So that would be one way. Maybe there are brethren that you can, uh, you know, send an email to and find out about him, or uh, however they would have done that in the uh, first century. So they, I think they would have had perhaps manners to, to know. Um, maybe you ask him. <laughs> so I'd ask, that's, that's how I'd find out what you believe. Can they say shibboleth correctly? <laughs> <laughs> mm, good question. Logan. Oh, you look like you were about to say something. Do we have any idea of whether Gaius was, was Jewish or Roman? 
The name is so Roman. The name is Roman, but, but I don't know. But then we get that whole referring to the Gentiles, and mm-hmm. usually that's paired with Jewishness. Right. Good point. So I don't know. So you think the Gentiles, though, are, is referring to non-Christians? Yes, I do. Okay. Is that weird to you, though? Yeah, I thought it was referring to Gentiles. that's your first problem (laughs) can we come up with other passages where it uses Gentiles to mean non-Christians what about 1 Corinthians 5 I may not be able to come up with all of them off the top of my head 1 Corinthians 5 1 not one and then what about, well, I'm trying to remember, that's, uh, how about 1 Thessalonians 4, 5? Mm-hmm. And uh, how about 1 Peter 2, 12? You see in each of those passages he's using Gentiles to mean non-Christians. There's, does that make sense? You know, that's kind of a weird thing for us because Jews and Gentiles was ethnic. Now it's become God's Israel and the Gentiles. And so it's Christians and Gentiles now. Uh, just, you know, interesting use of that. So I think he does mean non-Christians. Which makes more sense, because I don't know why he would be accepting support from Jews and not Gentiles. (laughs) Right, exactly. Jewish non-Christians are really in the same position as a Gentile non-Christian, yeah. Ephesians 4.17 says, don't walk as the Gentiles walk. Okay, very good. Thank you. I knew there were a bunch of those. There were at least five or six, so. I think we've noted six with this one. All right, anything else to rate? Well, we've got a problem, so let's deal with it. 9 through 12. I wrote something to the church, but Diotrephes, who loves to be first among them, does not accept what we say. For this reason, if I come, I will call attention to his deeds, which he does, unjustly accusing us with wicked words. And not satisfied with this, he himself does not receive the brethren either, and he, he forbids those who desire to do so and puts them out of the church. Beloved, do not imitate what is evil, but what is good. The one who does good is of God. The one who does evil has not seen God. Demetrius has received a good testimony from everyone and from the truth itself. And we add our testimony, and you know that our testimony is true. Well, John wrote something to the church, but Diotrephes uh, squelched that. I wonder what Paul had written, to, or Paul, what John had written to the church. Beware of diatrophies. <laughs> <laughs> that would have been uh, perceptive. Anyway, he's questioned. <laughs> <laughs> I'm more thinking support the strangers who are preaching the truth. But who knows? At any rate, we have this diatrophies fellow. Isn't he a delight? Wow. He's a bully. Well, he is. What What are his characteristics? 
likes to be first? Yes, which means he likes to... Oh, be important. Yes. yes, absolutely. He wants power, he wants authority, control, position, and, uh, you know, I mean, I, he would say he, he needs to control these things for the, for the best, for the, for the good of the group. You know, if you don't do that, can you imagine what false teaching might come along or, or how bad things might be? Mm-hmm. So he doesn't present himself as a dictator. He presents himself as somebody who's very concerned for the flock and just trying to help. But the truth is, he wants to be in charge. And, uh, you know, this is, so this is John's evaluation of him. This is not his confession. You know, he's never admitted this, but it's the truth. So, Diotrephes doesn't accept what we say. I'm assuming primarily in terms of helping these strangers. And so, if John comes, what's he going to do? He's going to call him out on it. Yes, exactly right. Uh, he's going to call attention to his wicked deeds, which he does. I mean, what else can you do with somebody like this? Uh, An arrogant, you know, tyrant who's determined to run everything into the ground. And John is willing to confront. You know, that may be another reason why Diotrephes apparently was not uh, accepting what John said. Uh, you know, a diatrophies is not particularly impressed with a guy like John, you know, because he's not able to control him. <laughs> and, uh, you know, there's a lot of people today who are on sort of a power trip. You know, they want attention, they want honor, they want respect, they want, uh, they want people to notice them. You know, this desire to be first, this desire to be in control. Those are good emotions. We need to control those, stifle those. Uh, You know, I mean, the fact that he doesn't receive us. It's like, wow, how does the Apostle John get excluded from, you know, (laughs) this church? (laughs) It's Diotrephes' diocese, you know. It's his his church. And uh, if you don't believe it, just uh, cross him. So that's part of his problem. What else is Diotrephes doing? He unjustly accuses. Who? Says us. So that would be John and others. Right. And uh, he unjustly accuses us with wicked words and not satisfied with this. He himself does not receive the brethren either and he forbids those who desire to do so and puts them out of the church. So... Uh, you know, I, I could just imagine him going from house to house saying, you know, sharing with people the terrible news that John is unfaithful. You can't you see Diotrephes doing that? Whispering, you know, it's, it's a bad deal, but John left the Lord, you know. And he's going to come here, he's going to palm himself off as a truth teacher, but the truth is, he's, he's gone. You know, so he was trying to keep John from having a reception here. He doesn't accept what he says. Uh, he speaks against us with uh, uh, with malicious words, wicked words. 
Um, so he's really opposed to anybody who's got authority because authority interferes with his agenda. And uh, he's not satisfied with that, but he does not receive the brethren. And he tries to stop anybody else from doing so. Thoughts and comments on the character of Diotrephes here? He's a bully. Yeah. <laughs> but did he look like a bully, probably? Not necessarily. I mean, he, he probably could... A lot of times you can get away with the the be- benevolent kind of leader who's strict and firm and, and all of this. And, you know, you shouldn't do this. It's bad for you. Trust me. And, and These guys are dangerous. He's just trying to protect the brethren. You know, you don't listen to these people. Can you see the confusion that sometimes occurs? You know, who do you listen to? Who's telling the truth? I mean, that that can be a challenge for them, just like it is for us. You know, people today, that's the big question. Who's the authority? Who's in charge? Who should they listen to? And sometimes they make the wrong choices. I'm glad that John was going to, like, call him out on it very forcefully. I don't... Like, it's much, much worse um, for someone to be doing that kind of thing and pretending to do the good thing, which, I mean, we don't know for sure what he was saying, but I'm assuming he wasn't like, hey, everybody, I'm a false teacher and I'm going to be in control, you know? So presumably he was trying to act good, and sometimes, I don't know, I think sometimes we're afraid to cross those people or afraid to say, like, no, you are being a false teacher right now and you need to straighten up. Well, it, you know, it kind of becomes Diotrephes' church. You know, he's kind of the guy that calls the shots. If you don't line up with him, you're out. So over a period of time, his uh, dissenters uh, are eliminated. You know, he becomes the very big duck in a very small puddle. But you can imagine a guy like this would feel threatened by these brethren, these strangers. I mean, they might actually teach the truth and it would shake up his position over these people. And so he he uh, does not receive the brethren and he forbids the ones who want to and puts them out of the church. Do we know where this place is? We don't. Yeah. But that's wild. I mean... If, if you receive these strangers, traveling brethren, he's going to kick you out of his church. You know, this is kind of a rule or ruin kind of a guy. You know, you either do it his way or it's the highway. And, uh, you know, what's Diotrephes doing anyway, putting people out of the church? Is it his church? <laughs> well, apparently he thought so and got by with it. So John is going to call him out. And, uh, you know, he says, uh, I'll draw, I will call attention to his deeds, which he does. You know, I mean, you just, all you have to do to show his guilt is just, you know, go through and read the list of what he's done. I'm surprised Gaius is still in the church. I am. Yeah. Yeah. I'm surprised he hadn't kicked him out. Might not be in the same group, but I'm assuming So, I mean, there are people like that today who want to run everything, who want to tell everybody what to do, who want to be a big shot, who want honor and glory and power and authority. You know, those are all things that uh, happen. And, uh, you know, what do we do about that? 
Well, if we just let the guy run everything, because it'll make him happy, we are perpetuating a disaster. Don't do that. So, is it possible to be withdrawn from and still be right with God? (laughs) Apparently so. Yes. Is it possible not to be withdrawn from and not be right with God? Can you think of an example? Yeah, the guy in First Corinthians 5 is a notorious example. So, you know, whether or not we're in the church or not, or in some congregation or not, is not necessarily the criteria for being in Christ. So he tells Gaius, don't imitate evil but good. You know, you look to good examples, not to diatrophies. And who's the good example here? And what do you know about him? He's received a good testimony from everyone and from the truth itself. And we are from us too. You know, he's well regarded, well respected. Um, that he's really a good, good man. And maybe he's the one who brought the letter. But at any rate, you'd like to have some positive role models. You know, don't be a Diotrephes, be a Demetrius. You know, the guy that even the truth itself recommends. And and notice, okay, so when, when it comes to uh, bearing witness, how many witnesses do you need? Two or three. Two or three. How many do we have here? He's received a good testimony from everyone and from the truth itself, and from Paul and his group. John. So, John, thank you. <laughs> from John and his group. So, tell I teach Paul a lot more than John. Uh, so he's got three witnesses, so to speak, that testify he's really in the truth. He's the guy to look at. He's the role model. You know, sometimes we're attracted to the tough guy who throws his weight around and tries to tell everybody what to do. You know, we're all, we almost respect a person like that. He must be really, uh, you know, powerful. He must be really righteous. Or he wouldn't be so bombastic and sure of himself. Not necessarily. It doesn't necessarily follow. All right, comments or questions through verse 12. So what's it mean that he receives a good testimony from the truth itself? That I think things that are true and consistent with truth. Yeah, I think so. I think if if the truth itself could testify, the truth would speak well of Demetrius. You know, he's kind of personifying truth, but he's saying it, the truth itself will bear out the goodness of Demetrius. Anything else through twelve? 13 to 15. I had not many things to write to you, but I am not willing to write them to you with pen and and ink. I hope to see you shortly and we will speak face to face. Peace be to you. The friends greet you. Greet the friends by name. Well, sounds like uh, 2 John. (laughs) He really wanted to write some more stuff, but what? Bad ink. No. There's a paper shortage. No. He didn't want to come. He really yeah. didn't want to. <laughs> yeah, that's right. 
I mean, the thing of it is, there are just some things that are better to say in person. You know, I don't work too well writing them down. And so that's what he really wants to be able to do. It's, it's frustrating he's been even this brief. Uh, there's so much more to say. But, you know, written communication just don't, won't work for it all. So he's really hoping to come see him shortly and speak to him face to face. And he'll be able to really give him a broader orientation. You won't have to worry about, you know, the restraints of paper and pen. And, you know, just when you write something as opposed to, to, to being with somebody and saying, what's, what's, the, what's the defect of a, of a letter? How do you hear the tone? You can't see how somebody's reacting as you talk to them and things like that. So it's really not as good a situation. So that's what he wishes he could do. That's what he's hoping to do. He hopes to see him shortly and be able to speak to him face to face. And then he wishes peace for him. And he says, the friends greet you. I assume those are the people that are around Paul. (laughs) Around John. I've, I've got Paul on the brain. Around John, yeah. That, that, you know, whoever is in his company is sending their greetings. Um, and then he says, greet the friends by name. I assume not the same friends, but greet the friends <laughs> around you by name. Now, I wonder how that would work. How that would work? How do you do that? John says hi. John says hi. Yes. You know, John wanted me to greet you personally. You know, something like that. Mm-hmm. You know, John wanted me to greet you, Sally. And John wanted me to, me to greet you, Joe. And things like that. You know, John is interested in their name. Remember, what, what, what do we know about the Good Shepherd? He knows his name. Absolutely. In John chapter 10, he knows his sheep. You know, uh, he calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. That's John ten three. So John had written that, and he's a good shepherd toward these uh, brethren, and uh, he knows their names. He would like Gaius to greet each one by name in, on John's behalf. Comments and questions. It feels like a bit of a generic way to greet everyone. Yes, it feels a little bit like cheating. <laughs> <laughs> well, it is a generic way to greet everyone specifically. By name! <laughs> I don't know what all their names are, but greet them by name. But I don't think he's saying he didn't know what their names are. Yeah. I, think it, I think John's the kind of guy, he knew their names. So he's saying, greet them by name for me. Should we know people, should we know our brethren's name? Do we? <laughs> I don't all of them. Well, I, the ones in the congregation were at. But he wasn't at this congregation. That's true. But he knew them. But, but don't you know... Don't you know everybody's name? The congregation? I do. But there's a lot of brethren who don't. Do you know everybody's name with Ava? I don't. Yeah. There are these new people who keep sneaking in... And they hang out in the back or over in a corner. And yeah. who are the people who? Do you know everybody's name at uh, Southport? Yeah, probably not. Yeah, who are the people whose names we tend not to remember? I don't remember. People <laughs> are probably yes, remember the most. Do what? 
people that probably need us to remember them. Right? Well, you're right, probably so. But are there certain groups that we have a hard time remembering? Yeah, those that aren't there often. Those that aren't there very often. Mm-hmm. And, and those not in our age group. Those <laughs> that are way older or way younger than they us. They don't sit in or our side of the congregation. Yeah. <laughs> so do you remember all the people 65 and over? Do you remember the kids 10 and under? Do you know all the kids' names at church, Logan, 10 and under? Do you know all the people's names in the group? No. You know the kids, but not all the older adults. It's just really a good practice to learn people's names and call them by name. You know, because it's just more personal. So I think John did know their names. He's just saying, I mean, is it going to help John to write down a whole list of names and say, greet them by name? Just greet them all by name. He was running out of ink anyway. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's not that he's running out. We got it, Gary. <laughs> he wasn't willing to write. <laughs> All That's those names. It right. just isn't the same in writing. <laughs> I just think a lot of people, well, maybe not, but I don't think you know the names of people. Uh, people don't. You know, newcomers, you tend not to. And uh, really old people you tend not to, and really young people you tend not to, I would say. And people who aren't there very much. Yeah, I think those are all categories uh, that we need to learn the name. You know, I've tried, I can't get the job done, but I will try before I go somewhere for a meeting, in some cases, to ask for a directory ahead of time and try to memorize the names before I go, or at least get really familiar with them. So then I can start matching them up when I get there, which helps me. Well, that's Third John. Uh, I thought that we might, uh, since we've got a few minutes, take a few minutes and I can tell you about uh, what I'm going to do on my trips. Uh, would appreciate people praying for those as well. And uh, 